files, we got news, we got clips, what you really wanna know? Uh, entertaining guests, ain't no telling who you might see. Entertaining guests, like it ain't telling who he might be. You can say anything in your rap if you really heat, like bada boom and bada bada bow and bada bada bean. If you join the show, then you might run a little couple things. Like how I'm trying to make this bar rhyme with positivity. Like how I'm trying to say I'm unselfish with magnanimity. This show might just change somebody's life the possibility. And now, podcasting with pride from a downriver suburb of the greatest city in the world, Detroit, Michigan. It's Wednesday night. Welcome back to Bright Side of the Hump. Let's get on that glide of the weekend, shall we? It's February 22nd, and Mrs. Metz and I just got back from a little vacation to Lake Michigan with our puppy. Much to the chagrin of Old Man Winter, we had three beautiful, sunny days on the beach in Michigan in February. Tonight's guest joins us from the Carolinas. She's an award-winning storyteller and motivational speaker and a cast member on the Amazon Prime show, The Fashion Hero. She was also recently inducted into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. Kelly Swanson will join us in a moment. First, though, Crisis Text Line provides mental health support via text. Simply typing HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 connects you to a counselor who can share mental health resources. It's a wonderful, practical life-saving service that needs three things from us, Brightsiders. Volunteers, money, and help getting the word out on social media. Go to the webpage for this podcast and click on the donate link for all the details on how you can help. Gather round, Brightsiders, and get ready to listen to a master storyteller share experiences about her craft with us. She's written books about persuasion and the craft of storytelling. She has a creative and entertaining podcast based on the fictional town of Pride's Hollow, and she tours the country performing a one-woman show entitled Who Hijacked My Fairy Tale? She inspires, she teaches, and she entertains with her bounty of charm and wit. Ladies and gentlemen, if Mark Twain were still around, he'd go to her for motivation and tips. Without further ado, please welcome Kelly Swanson to Bright Side of the Hump. Welcome, Kelly. Hey, nice to be here with a buildup like that. I need to take you with me everywhere I go. I'm excited to hear me just based on the intro. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, tell me, Kelly, what was a moment you can recall when you knew you had a knack for storytelling? Well, I didn't know it. It took somebody else to tell me. Um, the I've always told stories. They started out in my head. I was the weird kid, the picked on kid, the bullied kid. And so stories were just the town I created in my head as my refuge. I was a weird kid who saw things other people didn't see. So they're very real to me. And fast forward through my life, Never knew I'd actually be good at writing them and telling them. I took a community college class one time out of the blue with a bunch of teachers, and it was on storytelling. And they said, tell your story. And I was like, ah, 
So I told them out loud and they said, wow, the story's good, but the way you tell it is even better. Come to our school and start telling stories for the kids. It didn't occur to me that somebody would pay me to do it. And it wasn't until my husband said years later, he's like, you've got a gift. You can do something, making people laugh and feel good and blah, 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 blah. Um, He said, "I, I think you ought to you know, see where it goes. So there you go. It took somebody else to, you know, sort of show me that I had something. Isn't that often the way? Yep. Amazing. Uh, and you said, okay, then if I can do this for a living, then uh, make sure you take out the trash. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he did, I tell you, he did everything. And there are not many, not many husbands who would say, all right, I'll, I'll homeschool the kid. I'll do the grocery shopping. I'll do the cooking. I'll drive you to all your gigs and throw up a card table in the back. I mean, it, it's something you cannot do things like this by yourself. And he just, he went all in. He may regret it now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great support system. Uh, Let me ask you, who inspires you or inspired you in in what you're doing? Well, that's a tricky question because when I was growing up, I was inspired by Carol Burnett. Yeah. Um, You know, that was humor and and. but so I and I can see in me now pieces of Carol Burnett. Oh. When I got older, I didn't know what a storyteller was. Yeah. I certainly didn't go follow. I mean, we know storyteller writers, but you know what I mean. Um, so when I became a storyteller, people said you should check out Garrison Keeler. I was like, who's that? And, oh my gosh. The whole world opened up for me with Garrison Keillor. So he really inspired me. And then uh, one more, I I did some cruise ship work, telling stories on a cruise ship. Boy, that was a Ellie Mae hits the high seas. Ellie Mae (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I met a bunch of Canadians on there. And they said, uh, you need to meet uh, or get familiar with Stuart McLean. And uh, I don't think he's still living, but he's a, a kind of a Canadian version of Garrison Keillor. And uh, so those are those are a few that really influenced me. And Jeannie Robertson in our own industry, she found me as a storyteller and said, you need to come be a speaker. This is the world that's going to pay you to do this. And she was an, until she died. She was a, a mentor and a big fan of of, of what I was doing. And, and she was a great person to look at and go, okay, she's doing it. So then yeah. I, I, maybe I can do this too. If somebody's, you know, carving the way. Your uh, mention of Carol Burnett, you know, takes me back to childhood and the Carol Burnett show, Vicki Lawrence and Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. <laughs> they were just the legends, weren't they? Oh. And I wanted, I got an award this summer and was going to, you have to walk on stage in a big dress. It's like our whatever Emmys in the speaking business. And uh, I told my husband, I said, I know what dress I want to wear when I go up for my acceptance speech. And he said, what? And I said, I want to wear the curtains Carol Burnett wore from that scene and gone with the wind. Anyway, long story short, I didn't do it. You remember when she came with the curtains and the yes. rod? And I mean, it was an iconic. And what was so sad was one of the reasons I didn't do it, the main one, was that half that audience would have no idea what I was doing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We watch uh, uh, this. I don't know if you ever watched Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad or any, you know, the kind of the. Don't let my husband hear you. He thinks that's the best show in the history of time is Breaking Bad. Yeah. I watched a lot of it. I didn't watch it all the way to the end, but he did. Better Call Saul's really, really good. And Carol Burnett, 
was in the final season of it. And it just boggles your mind. You, you, you know, I'm like, that's a legend. And then I thought, you know, I tweeted something about the legend, you know, and, and there's a lot of kids that have no idea who you're talking about. No. And, and Vicki Lawrence and, you know, uh, they know her for, you know, later roles she played, you know, or whatever on Nickelodeon. Yeah. It's a shame. And even I, I've got a friend now who I forget one of the names she said, and even my father is like, you want to go see comedy, go back. So I'm going to start kind of going back to the old days <laughs> and start really looking up. And some of those roasts, of course you couldn't do any of that stuff today. No, but, right. Uh, my father would show me those roasts that I don't know if it was Dean Martin or what, <laughs> what at Sammy David. I mean, Oh, they were, you, you know, they were awfully inappropriate, but just really funny. I love yes. listening to funny, funny people yep. and watching humor. Very much. So, uh, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but, uh, Walk us through a little bit how you ended up actually in your multifaceted career that you're in now. Okay. Yeah. That's a hard question because I was a storyteller first. Okay. So I was out there seeing who would pay me to go. I had a business card that said storyteller on it. And so it was weird. People didn't know what to do with me. Right. I didn't fit any world. Um, um, then when I met Jeannie Robertson, she said, come over here, call yourself a speaker. And, and then I found out that as I'm, so, so I'm doing that and, and being that entertainer in the speaking world. And then I started to see what the stories were doing for people. I started to see, oh my gosh, they're, they're not just laughing there. People would say your stories are about real life and they're inspiring me and they're, they would remember them for years. And, and I started saying, okay, something really bigger is going on here. I'm not just a comedian. There is something, these stories are opening up things in people. So then I was the motivational speaker, you know, which, you know, half my family thinks is an absolute joke. They think they're so full of it, but, <laughs> but, but, but just, there's a lot of people hurting right now. Yes. So coming and making them laugh and feel good. So that was for a long time. It was the humor and the motivation, but then people started to say, my speaker friends, especially, well, how did you, how are you doing what you're doing? How are you making people feel this way? How can I write a story like you? And I was like, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm barely doing it myself. Yeah. Um, and, and, and how do you do it when it's an art? How do you do it when you're at the mercy of it? And then I started helping people. And of course they all sounded like me for a while. <laughs> and then I started making them sound like, well, how would a Russian woman tell her story? Yeah. And how would, and, and, and then it began it was one or two, it was handfuls, it was hundreds. Now it's been 20 years of people coming saying, well, look at my story. And what happened, John, along the way was that I began to not just see how to tell a good story. I began to see how to use it to persuade mm -hmm. and how there are pieces in it that if you can figure this out, it will make you have massive influence in your world in sales. And I'm not the first or the last person to say this, yeah. but that was when r really, I didn't see that coming right. because suddenly, at least in my little industry of speakers and that, that, that all are at least connected with each other, I became, became the go-to person for you can give her anything and she can take it five minutes of it and, you know, give it up, do a makeover yeah. on it. And not just, does it open well? Is it funny? Does it have a good character? But how are we bringing you in here? Are we telling their story? Are we, you know, does this is a tool? It's a strategic 
tool to persuade. So the next thing you know, I've got business call businesses calling me. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm doing that in my keynotes. I've got, I totally have brand ADD, which if you've been to my website, you can see because I, I'm hanging on. I, I want to be the artist, but I'm the artist that knows how to come in here and go peel back the curtain and say, let me tell you what I'm doing. And that bubbled into a core. I got a course called the persuasion principle yeah. and I mean, in Story Impact Academy, and it turns out, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't need to do it. My love is for the stage and writing these stories and sharing them. There's no greater joy. That's at my highest level of joy oh. is doing that. But I really love teaching people how to do it themselves. And that, you know, I didn't see that coming. I think that's an interesting combination right there. So here I am, you know, in my fifties, you know, I don't know what's next. Well, a theater show, but anyway. Sure. What, uh, why do you think from your perspective, what makes uh, storytelling such a powerful tool? There are many reasons, but the main reason at, well, gosh, I could even give you, I mean, it's so hard to boil down into one. The main reason is that, well, here's one. We're all selling something. We're all in the business of persuasion. We are trying to convince people to do things all day long, whether it's to go out with us, to marry us, unmarry us, get our kid to clean up his room, to buy a product, to hire us, whatever. We are constantly trying to get people to do something, and whether we own that or not. And so that means to me that we're all in the business of persuasion. And so that makes us all salespeople. I mean, bottom line, we're trying to sell this effectively, whether we, and not all of us do it. Many don't. They just give you the product information and call it a day or whatever. And so based on that, if, if the, if then theory, if we're salespeople in the business of persuasion, then the cardinal rule of sales is that people buy, buy, buy into, buy from people they like, trust, believe, and feel like they know. Those are the people who are going to have the highest impact, like, trust, believe, know, your knowledge, your data, your information, it cannot make somebody like you. And it cannot make them trust you. It cannot make them believe you. It cannot make them want to follow you as a leader or vote for you. It is, it, um, and story can do that. Story shows us who you are without you having to tell us who you are. Story can take us on an experiential journey where I can let you test drive my message without forcing you and pushing and saying, this is what you need to do. All I got to do is tell a story and they crawl right in. And if you do it well and strategically and use your power for good, (laughs) um, scientists say that you could even plant ideas into people's minds. I mean, you can just like I'd say it's like playing people like a violin. You can just, because they identify with the character in your story and the emotion behind it. So that's a simple answer to what I could give you six more reasons why it works. That is a marvelous answer. Uh, You could see me bobbing my head and, you know, uh, that was amazing. Um, What do you think trips people up most of the time when it comes to storytelling? They don't know why they're telling that story. And what it's about. Now, if you're in theater, that's different. But if you're using this story as a tool, I'll get so many people, they'll, they'll, they'll tell me this whole story about the grandmother or about the cancer they had or whatever. And they'll finish it. And I'm like, why are you telling me that? What's the lesson you learned from it? What's the point? Why do I care about that story? Why should I care? about what you care about? And, and, and believe it or not, many speakers who this is their profession, 
are guilty of this. Sure. Mainly because they don't think the story matters anyway. They're they're too focused on, well, let me tell you what, what you need to do. <laughs> so understanding any experience you've gone through, if you're going to tell that story, look back at it and go, well, what did I learn from that? Why is it important? Why do I still remember it? What's the lesson and the point in the story? That's the biggest thing I, th- I think trips people up when it comes to telling their story. And, and here's another one. One more freebie is remember that in, in human nature, we don't connect with each other. Well, we connect through our stories. That's definite. But we don't connect through the plot. We connect through the emotion. And that is how I can identify with you and relate to your story if you tell me how it made you feel. Because that's where, that's what starts opening up in our brain are these emotions we hear that starts finding the emotion in our own life. And next thing you know, we're catapulted to our own story. So I'm never going to relate to a list of facts. Right. Uh, A story's not a list of facts. It's about an experience somebody went through. I'm going to relate to how you felt going through it. And, and, and there, then we're going to be able to stand in different stories and connect. Does that make sense? Oh, it does a hundred percent. You're, you're not going to, uh, facts, statistics, and your resume are not going to, to get it done. No, no. And there are important, I'm not telling people get rid of the facts. Right. Of course the facts and the data matter, but your story does the teaching yeah. and the convincing the facts just drive it home. Sure. Hey, Brightsiders. You ever feel the need to exercise, to get those muscles pumping, to get that sweat flowing? No pain, no gain. Me neither. That's why I bought a Southport three-person sauna. It can be shipped to your door, it's simple to put together, and with hours you can be sweating while sitting in the peace and comfort of your own home. Studies in Finland have shown that traditional sauna use mimics many of the same benefits of a cardio workout. People who use a traditional sauna four days a week were over 40% less likely to have cardiovascular issues. Brightsiders, buy yourself a sauna, hire an electrician to hook it up. Don't make your muscles sore, let the sweat pour. Uh, can you think of uh, odd things that have occurred to you during a performance? Uh, yeah. What? Where do I even start? I fell off the stage Ooh. once. I'm speaking in, you'd think I'd remember the state, but I don't. <laughs> they were in public housing, I think was their industry. And there were hundreds of them there. And they're all in rows like theater style. So there's no tables and there's a, I'm on a massive stage. It's like five feet tall. Okay. And there's like five feet, like an orchestra pit of space in front between me and the front row. I'm in the zone. Yeah. I am on fire. I am. We are around, <laughs> we are landing the plane. Okay. And I am, you know, I'm bringing it home. I'm landing. All the plot lines are coming together and I'm just flying high and a new thought. And when you're a speaker, when you do something like that, there's a million things going on in your head. Oh, yeah. You remember what you just said, what you got to say. Uh, did I remember to sell, tell them I've got books in the back? Why is that person sleeping in the back row? Should I make a joke? You're just constantly, you're, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but you're constantly firing on all these cylinders. So, and then one new thought enters my brain and it's air. And I was like, this is a weird feeling. There's air under my feet. Oh. 
I have like a cartoon character talked myself right off the front of that stage. My feet are still moving. All the things are going in my head, but everything goes in slow motion. Oh Lord. I can't, I can't explain how slow that moment felt. And all I could think of was land on both feet and bend your knees, land on both feet and bend your knees. I don't know where I got that from. And I'm not the most physical or coordinated person, but I was like, and I'm still talking. I never stopped talking. I did not come off script. I am through the air. Thank God I did not have on heels or I would have probably broken both my legs, but I had on biker boots. Okay. So, Biker boots, fry biker boots. Uh, um, I need to bring those back out. Anyway, so, and, and I'm going, and, and things just went in slow motion. And I'm totally finishing my speech. And I land on both feet, bend my knees, and I'd made it. And then I stand up, and I went, put my hands up in the air like it was a gymnastic dismount. Ta-da! <laughs> Ta-da! And then I went, this is where I was brilliant, and I'd been sitting on this line in my back pocket for 10 years when I heard it, somebody do it at a conference once. And I went, I will now take questions from the floor. <laughs> and the room falls out, and 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 then the adrenaline, and I, that's the end of the story, but then the adrenaline kicks in, oh. and I have to talk about what just happened. They all thought I'd planned it. Yeah. They all thought I had absolutely Roadrunner style <laughs> gone off the stage and landed, and I couldn't let them know no. I did because at that point, everything had released, and I am laughing. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they're like, you didn't plan that. And I, I, I wish you could have seen their faces when I'm midair, and they're all like, just watching me in slow mo. I got my mouth open. If y'all, this is a podcast. I keep forgetting y'all can't see me. Yeah. Mouth wide open. All these mouth. All I could see was nostril tunnels and dangling tonsils. As ever hundreds of mouths. Because I knew they were like, who's gonna have to catch her? You know? Oh boy! <laughs> Isn't that something? That is amazing. That you know, all watching Mary Lou Retton in the Olympics. That had to help. You know, you could write a little sort biker boots saved my life. <laughs> Saved my life. I got another story I can't tell you today. You'll have to bring me back about how the bumpet saved my life on an airplane. The bumpet's the little thing you put up under your hair to make it bigger. Oh. It's, it's made of Velcro. I got a hilarious story about how, oh, I just pulled out my hair. Anyway, how the bumpet saved my life. Oh, but goodness. anyway, that's for another day. Yeah, that, I mean, you're loaded with those. That's great stuff. Real life. Once I finally realized I didn't have to be the author or the storyteller that found, I I don't just look around. Yeah. Look around life. People are like, where do you get your story ideas? I was like, are you kidding me? Right. Sit at the airport for a day. Yeah. Yeah. Just be, be about yourself. (laughs) If you just be, I mean, go to your family, you know, you got it. And you know, you're like, no, not everybody rinses out their saran wrap and hangs it up on the clothesline to dry out because they want to save money. No, not everybody does that. That might be interesting to someone. People might find that curious. (laughs) All right. So you've helped a lot of people. Can you think of someone that you helped that really, really got you? Uh, and Um, you take it with you all the time? Well, yes and no. First of all, there are hundreds because people come to me. The ones that I really remember are the ones that have a burning message that needs to go out into the world. People that, because something happened to them or somebody they loved and now, and, and wow, do I not have the highest respect for those people who got into this, to, to are going out there and creating a mountain for themselves to, to say, 
uh, like I know one, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but like I have a friend who's a speaker whose sister was raped in college and his whole platform, his whole platform is about respect. And he goes to colleges. Mike Domish is his name. He's my hero. You know, he goes out there and I was like, you dude, you built a platform to go change the world with your message. Yeah. Um, that kudos for that. Yeah. You, you, you are, you know, you, and you chose the, the, the path of the most resistance. I mean, that's not going to be, you know, they're not going to be corporate groups throwing money at you to go right. do that. Now I didn't help him. So that's not what you asked me, but I love when people come to me with those burning messages yeah. and they're like, they're all over the place. Cause they have no idea. They're like, I think I have a story here. And I'm like, are you kidding? My whole body starts to itch. Because yeah. I'm like, you've got the most amazing story. And I love how we sit there and we start to pull it out and to put the words together. And then I get to watch their face when they see their TED Talk. Yeah. And they start crying and they go, that's that's me. That's my story. And I'm like, yeah. And it, it, it wasn't me. It was you. That yeah. was, and then to watch them go get followers on, on YouTube. And it, I just, I, I love watching people and this, I hope this doesn't sound like a plug, John, because that's not what I'm trying to, it's not about me. It's about the power of story yeah. and, and, and watching people step into their story and, and, and seeing that, this thing that for many of them was very, very painful. Huh. Use it for good yeah. or not use it. You know what I mean? They have found the gift in it and have been able to find this way to take this awful thing or this pain, you know, gut riching experience they went through and say, you know what, but it doesn't have to end me. I'm going to use it to become my story. I, I just love that. I love that. That's what I carry around that. And the, the people in my audience, who I don't know their names, who come up crying in my ear, hugging me, saying, you said what I needed to hear today. I was running low on hope or somebody who uh, an entire police department who leaves during an event near the end because they're all crying at my Babette, the Bernadette, the guidance counselor story. And one of them sends me a letter years later and says, I've never forgotten that story. That, and again, that's not the artist loving the fans, though there is that piece of me. It is the ability to be the hands and feet of a message that gets delivered to people, even if they just laugh themselves silly and they were weary before. That's what I carry around with me every day when the money doesn't come. It's like, you know what, because this is a business where you better not be in this to get rich. Sure. You know? What a marvelous thing to be able to do, Kelly. Like, I'm not, and this isn't just me, you know, uh, uh, sucking up to the guest. I, that What a marvelous thing to give the gift to people that they can go on and give the gift to others uh, is, you know, that's a life well lived right there. It really is. And what a beauty to do what I love to do. Yeah. I, you know, I just keep saying to my husband, I don't know why I harp on that so much, but I'm so thankful, I guess because I've had jobs I hated, but I'm, I, I'm like, pitch me I mean, I could be on a, well, I wouldn't be the one on the roof. Nobody put me up on a roof, but you know, I'm not gutting chickens out. There's so yeah. many people that have absolute jobs that they hate yeah. or that, you know, and I, my job is to ru- do what I love yeah. and share it with people yeah. and they clap for me. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, it's surreal 
it's, it, you know, and, and, and yet, and, and like I said, though, it's, you don't do it because you think a lot of people come into the arts or, or, or the speaking industry to get rich or yeah. to make a lot of money. Now I got no problem making money, sure but I always tell them, you know, at the end of the day, if I won the lottery, I would be doing this exact same yeah. thing. I just might not be taking all the jobs I'm taking. Uh, but, but it's just, yeah, I'm just like, wow, to get to do what you love to do is a, is a gift. Yeah. To be on the other side of that adulation, you're, I can tell you're the kind of person that wishes everyone out there could get your experience, uh, even if it was just one time in their life where they could be out there uh, telling their story and getting that adulation, you know, that because well, it yes, lifts you, right? Yeah, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> because some, you know, when I'm going, one year I spent, I think I went to 35 different IT conferences. Oh. They were people in IT and government. And I'm like, <laughs> those people were not anxious, John, to get up on a stage to have me say right. they need to go to storytellers. But what it is, too, is it's, I was like, well, but they have opportunities. They have to come out behind the computer yeah. and tell somebody about their idea yeah. or tell somebody about their project or go or get somebody to listen to them and say, y'all, you got to pay attention to what's happening here in a context nobody understands but them. Right. You know, and and, and boy, is that exciting for me to go, uh, this tool right here. If you can do this, and sometimes it's just we make it really simple and basic because not everybody's going to want to go be storytellers, but but your authenticity, your just to show them how to come out and have a bigger to have more influence. Sure. And, um, and, and when that's not normally what they would do it is is huge for me. I don't know. I hope you don't mind me sharing. I, I watched one of your videos and you used a, uh, you know, you used a prop. Uh, and I loved it. You used a mirror and you w slow walked the beginning of your talk so well as you looked in this mirror. And I marveled at the way you could embrace the silence and kind of let it go. How long did it take you to be able to do that? To know, like, I'm going to get them here, but I'm going to I'm going to let this build. Um, thank you for that. The mirror bit, my, my husband hates it. <laughs> He's like, I don't like it. And I said, I know why, because you've never looked in a mirror <laughs> and dissed yourself, yeah. you know, but every person on the planet that's done that, yeah. you know, but anyway, so I appreciate that. Timing is everything. Yeah. And it took me a long time <laughs> to learn how to do that. And here, because in the beginning, people are like, oh, you've always been good at it. No, I haven't. I rushed. Right. And I didn't appreciate the silence. Yeah. And 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 because it takes a lot of confidence to be quiet and not rush to the next word. Yeah. Um, especially when you're doing something like holding a mirror up and everybody's looking at you like <laughs> you're a fool, uh, you know, for doing it. And I am still, so it took me years because a lot of it's a mindset. Yeah. A lot of it is, is being comfortable enough and no matter what scenario you just got thrown into, where, you know, that you're going to be even weirder here, you know, to just uh, still own it. Yeah. And and I still have a little ways to go. That's a big thing I learned from Jeannie Robertson and still continue to, to watch her is because she was a master. She would sit at the very end of her life. She'd sit in a rocking chair because she'd had health issues. And she would tell that story and she would take all the time in the world. Oh to tell that story. And it was so much better. I tapped into it one time recently in my, what my theater show, 
I went, you're just going to slow down okay. and you're going to act like you got all the time in the world and you're going to look at things and you're going to take a sip of your drink and you're going <laughs> to, you're going to give people the chance. And John, it's very important to do that, not just for comedy, but there are three beats behind you. Yes. They're hearing, they're processing, they're feeling, they're marinating in it. They're, you know, and that's why somebody once said, we're going off course here, but somebody once said, how is it that I've heard you tell your woman with the mop story 10 times and every time it feels just as real? And I said, because every time I'm sitting back in it yeah, and I'm looking around and I'm feeling it and I'm telling you about it. And I'm stopping to have that feeling again. And, uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for, and thanks for, you know, inspiring me that the, the mirror bit does still have some value because it stopped doing it for a while. So. Oh, I think it was great. Sometimes silence is exactly what's needed. And, uh, as speakers or performers, we, we don't always love that. <laughs> no, and silence is needed. And it gives, you know, you can get, I wrote an article one time, uh, well, because I realized I had a tickle in my throat is what happened. So I'm at an event. I've got a tickle. It will not go away. So I'm having to take a sip of, of what well, I always say, if you need to work on your timing, go do pull the Ron White. He always had a drink, but bring your drink, take stop and, and, and take a sip of water. Well, this time I had to because the tickle. And so I would take my sip and I move on, but it, I would, in this case, I was having to take a second sip and they were laughing. More people came into the laugh on the second sip. And I went, Oh my gosh. Now it may not be a big deal to you. To me, it was like earth shattering. I went, you are, ta if you take twice as long, half your audience wasn't getting time to catch up. There you go. And you trained them. You, you It's called stepping on the laugh. You train yep. them to stop. laughing. But I was like, Oh my gosh, Kelly, you're still not taking enough time. I'm like, well, my show will be twice as long though. If I keep having to take that many breaks, but it's fun. It's fun to play though. and Just stop and, just take a minute and let let the, the the room breathe. Yeah, it's marvelous. It's marvelous to watch a master at work. Uh, tell us a little bit about Pride's Hollow. Well, that's my town. Remember, I told you earlier that I just you know um, apparently there's a name for it, escapism, whatever. I didn't know what I was doing back then, but <laughs> but it was just my place. I I, I uh, so these. Characters, this town where I lived there, they're very real to me, very real. Uh, they bounced off my, out of my brain and into journals, and, and it was just for me. And they're ordinary people. Um, they're, they're in the South. I couldn't pinpoint. I always say they're a mile and a hair past nowhere. <laughs> but, but oddly enough, people from all over the world recognize the people in it. So while it may, I always say I'm the South Southern version of Garrison Keillor and a lot more edgy. <laughs> well, I don't know. I saw him in, in live recently and yeah, he was edgier than I thought, but, but, um, so they, it had full disclosure. They had a different town name years ago. And when I ended up speaking in that town with the same name, I thought, Ooh, I need to change this. And I went on a we decided in our town that we deserved a different name. Okay. And so we all got together and Bitsy and uh, Earl 
and uh, the town council, we all got together and came up with Pride Tala. We like that name. Yeah. Because to us, that it's not as good as Lake Wobegon. But but Pride's Hollow means a lot to us. Sure. But nobody can ever remember the name of it, ever. So maybe marketing-wise, we didn't choose. So that's my town. I'm the editor of the Gazette. So I, um, and, and I don't have time to go into it now, but Old Man Withers died recently. Y'all won't care. We barely cared. He was old. He kept to himself. But he left everybody money. He had a ton of it. We didn't know he had that much. And he left everybody money in the town on one condition. And it was weird. I mean, whoever does that, he pulled us into his last dying wish. Um, um, And that was to do something brave as if your life depended on it. And so all these people are in the process. Some knew right away, like Harriet and the Buick, which I I can't tell you about that. It's too long, but some are still noodling on it. Um, I knew what I would do if I were brave and that, that became, that I would have done, I would have, told their stories. Um, so a lot of the stories I tell, they're about me. Yes. Chub rub girl is all me. Um, but they're about what everybody in my town is doing with their challenge. And, uh, anyway, it's pretty cool. So that's what Pride's Hollow is. That's my, during, I'm going to tell you something interesting too, John, I got in this business. They've been with me the whole time. I knew plain as day that this is what I wanted to do. I stepped into the speaking world, looked around and went, uh-oh, nobody's going to buy it. They're not going to want this here. I can't go to Verizon and be editor of the Gazette and tell these stories. I buried them all. Buried all of them and just became, just told stories about myself. Now, I'm glad I did. I, I, I don't fault the journey. But during COVID, that as with many of us, that clock started ticking louder and mm-hmm. I started realizing life is short, yeah. What, which I think is a reason why a lot of people reevaluated their jobs and stuff. I was like, you are sitting on the one thing you wanted to do all along that brings you the greatest joy. You're going to keep your lights on. Your business is working. You know, you, you, you can take a little few more risks. What would you do if you were brave? I listened to old man Withers words and I said, you would go all in on Pride's Hollow and you'd start bringing these stories back out. And um, so at, I'm 54 now, I think. Bill, am I 54? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, um, but, but I mean, man, wow. Talk about inspiration there at this point in my life. And, and of course the, oh, you're too old. Nobody wants this, you know, dead, it'll never work, but I don't care anymore because yeah. they just, the stories need to be, I'm doing it for me. And if somebody wants to watch and listen, I'm not about how many people will listen to to my podcast. It won't be a lot. Right. Just is what it is, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, what other projects do you have in the works, Kelly? Uh, well, my theater show is new. Uh, that's a long story. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder, an agent, and said, we're looking for a, a, another act in our repertoire. We checked you out. We heard about whatever. So that's called Who Hijacked My Fairy Tale. That that's just me. Pride Tallow's not there. They'll be the next theater show. I wasn't ready. Um, but um that launched in 2020. <laughs> and then Chikung, everything shut down, but it's okay. We've anyway, so we've done eight theaters so far, and we've got um, at least eight on the books with more booking. So that's starting to get some traction. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I just launched my story impact Academy. Um, so where this whole community people online where we're all just, you know, whatever I'm trying to do that. And, but, but I'm going all in on, I'm an artist now. How do I get my stories out to the world? 
you know, and I just, that's, that's it. You know, be it ever so unfancy. That's kind of what, what my life is, is looking like right now. That's Thanks marvelous. Marvelous. And enjoying it all the way, right? Oh, I just enjoy My husband will walk by my computer and I will be laughing hysterically. <laughs> and he's like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, Bill, they found a bra over at Buster's Bait and Tackle. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, and he, it's just, they surprise me and delight me and make me laugh. And the fact that one person would listen and go, I, I, I listen to your stories at night before I go to bed, whatever, just is worth 10 times more than the fact that I had a thousand people, you know, sitting in front of a business audience. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Kelly, you are a gem and we could listen to you for hours. Uh, Brightsiders, please check out all Kelly has to offer at motivational speaker, Kelly Swanson.com. I'll have that link in the description of this episode. Uh, Kelly is truly changing the world one story at a time. Thank you for having me. You bet. Thanks, Kelly. Quick favor, Brightsiders. Give the podcast a five-star rating and write a brief review. Here's your inspiration tune. Then you can hit pause and tickle those keys with something nice. Also, please share us on social media or pretty much anywhere you see someone smiling. Heck, maybe even share us with some sour pusses because they might need us the most. Wherever you see fit to spread the bright side, please do. I appreciate you listening, and as always, stay positive and keep looking for the bright side of things. If you dig it, do it. And if you really dig it, do it twice. <laughs> <laughs>